0: You're listening to Steve Dace on Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace.
1: The Steve Dace Show.
2: Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV where we love to know what you think about what we think. 888 is the number. We'll be getting to some of your feedback in the next hour of the show on a feedback Friday, which you can send to us. One of three ways, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can look for us on Facebook. Just look for Steve Dace on Facebook and like us there. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. We have a, a full house here today. Uh, You're used to seeing Todd and Aaron in studio. We've got a visitor, our very own Chris Pandolfo here from Conservative Review. Good to see you, Chris. Good to see you, Steve. Chris's appearance, by the way, brought to you by CRTV. If you want to get that Christmas gift for a conservative looking for more media sources other than the typical liberal media spin, Dace Christmas is the promo code at CRTV.com. DACE Christmas, all one word, and you'll get a heavily reduced subscription to CRTV. I think it breaks down to like a dollar fifty a week or something. Dace Christmas is the promo code at CRTV.com. And with that, it's time for the DACE group. <laughs> Your weekly look at the week that was begins with issue one, collusion
3: or confusion. Michael Cohen entered a plea of guilty in federal court yesterday for lying to Congress about Donald Trump's knowledge and his activity surrounding a business opportunity in Russia running up to the 2016 primaries. Here's what Cohen admits to lying about. Number one, the Moscow project, as it's named in the complaint, ended in January 2016 and was not discussed extensively with others in the Trump organization. Number two, Cohen never agreed to travel to Russia and never asked Trump to travel for the project. Number three, Cohen denied a Russian government response or contact about the Moscow project. All those things turned out to be false, And now Cohen is on the hook. The bottom line is this. The president's former attorney and basically fixer, while he was a paid agent of a presidential campaign, openly lied about the business dealings with a foreign government hoping to gain influence within our government. At least that's what special counsel Robert Mueller is trying to make it look like. All right, so let's piece together some events here. Um. Cohen
2: pleads guilty in US, the U.S. Attorney's Office several months ago, and that's the original plea agreement. That's separate from what happened yesterday, and then nothing is heard from the independent counsel for months. We go through an entire uh, an election with nothing uh, in the fall, and this is a special counsel's office that it's been good at two things, indicting people on charges that have nothing to do with the original Russian collusion narrative, and it's a leakocracy. I mean, it, it's got a hole in the washtub, Emin Otter. All right? I mean, it leaks constantly, all right? And yet suddenly, when it would be the most strategic time, you would think on the surface to leak with an election going on, nothing. We hear nothing for months. Then the president issues his written answers in response to the final stage of the Mueller probe. And now all of a sudden... We see this course of events. We see after the president issues his written answers, we see Paul Manafort's second plea arrangement is vacated. He's already going to prison for uh, losing the first plea agreement. And now for a second second slate of charges, he's going to prison for those now too, because the independent counsel's office vacated the plea agreement on grounds of dishonesty. Trump's attorney now enters a second guilty plea in a second jurisdiction, and this under the jurisdiction of the independent counsel, for lying to Congress. Three things that are my dilemma here, and I was discussing them with folks on Twitter before we went on the air, and... And let me just say this up front. I'm not hinting at anything. You guys know me well enough to varying degrees. In the times you guys have worked with me, how long have I, how many times can you count on one hand how many times I've hinted at something?
0: Yes, that's not really your jam. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I, I won't, I, no. it's
2: not, I won't never do it, but it's not my default. Okay. So I'm not hinting at anything. I'm trying to figure this out in real time because these three things are true. I believe they're true. And if you don't believe they're true, Tell me, okay, when it's your turn to go. But I think there's three things we know right now are true. Number one, no evidence has been presented to confirm the original Russian collusion narrative that that was peddled out there right after the 2016 election. No evidence has been presented to confirm that. That's number one. But yet number two, a bunch of people are lying about something for which no evidence was ever presented to confirm. So why are they lying? And then number three, you know, we typically see the capos, meaning the, the, the lower echelon captains in the mob, typically flip on the Don because while the Don has a lot of power, he can't save them from soap on a rope and an orange jumpsuit. All right? A president can. He's got absolute, in the federal arena, absolute pardon power. So why would you flip, if you're Michael Cohen, why would you flip on the guy who can save you from anything Robert Mueller could throw at you? These are the three dilemmas I have. They don't make sense. They're all true, but yet the math doesn't add up as to what's happening here and where this is heading. And so with that laid out there, everybody now gets their turn. And Chris is our guest. We'll let you go first.
1: Well, I think the key point here is what you said earlier is there, the media wants to turn this into evidence of president Trump colluded with Russia. President Trump tried to steal the election from Hillary Clinton. That hasn't been proven. There's still no evidence of that. Uh, I I actually thought the president had a good answer when he was asked about this by reporters yesterday. He said, look, I I was a private citizen when I was running for president even though I was organizing a political campaign. I was still a private citizen. I'm still a businessman. I have a right to try and have a business deal in Russia. I did nothing illegal, and you can't really be mad at me for that. And I thought that was a great point. I don't know why he didn't say that six months ago. Uh, Why is he just talking about this now uh, as if it's – been a surprise that oh, up he got found out. Why? Why are they lying in the first place? I have no good answer for that. Uh, I think um, we investigate- because that's
2: a perfectly reasonable explanation. Yeah, he has no guarantee he's going to win the presidency. And to be honest with you, ninety-seven percent of the people who voted and analyze politics. Fought on election day, he wasn't going to win. Exactly. Okay? So you can't blame a guy for hedging his bets, right? So yeah. why not give that explanation six months ago before the Mueller probe ever sweeps Michael Cohen's offices? Why not do
3: right.
1: that? Uh, if you're going to ask me to speculate, and I'm very wary of speculating, I don't like speculating, but since you're asking me, I'll do it. Uh, he probably thought that if he admitted to anything related to Russia collusion, the media would season that narrative and used to say, aha, you colluded. And we can impeach you now because that's where the Mueller probe is going. They're going to write up a final report. The report's going to lay out a case that he obstructed justice, even though he can't really do that as president of the United States. And they're going to make the case that he needs to be removed from office by the Senate and the House, controlled by the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi Speaker. They're going to try to impeach the guy. And so maybe in his mind, he just didn't want to give them any leeway to even make that case. And he wants to focus on his agenda. He wants to make America great again, pass Obamacare repeal, even though Congress failed to do that pass the tax cuts just get on with the business of governing and he thought that this wasn't really a big deal and he could just kind of push it to the side and maybe he lied about it I don't know if that's a good reason for lying I don't think there's ever a good reason for lying actually I don't know why uh, his uh, lawyer lied to Congress um, and I, I don't think any of us are ever really going to know why
0: I do
2: Go ahead, Todd. I'm 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 anxious for someone to do the math. Do you know? <laughs> because very few people are even trying. Yeah. That's There's, there's on. one side that's that's just, you know, peddling fusion GPS fan fiction, and then another side pointing out that it's fan fiction. I agree it's fan fiction. But guys are walking into federal court and saying, I'm going to
0: prison. Why then? Why? Answer me why. Because liars lie they they're just liars. This is a total depravity issue. This is my Occam's razor. I I see again you are back in figure it out mode because of how well you're doing in both football and poli- you the, the math will never add up. This will never be reasonable. Do you remember the audio we the audio tape? I can't remember how we got it, but between Cohen and Trump talking about the deal for yeah. to pay off Stormy Daniels, and they weren't even being direct with each other. They were, talking, you know, the thing we're talking about. The thing I'm saying, yeah, I know the thing you're talking about. Th- that's just the expectation mm-hmm. of Donald Trump. I mean, they 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 speak in that code. There's that implicit, like I, I don't know what you're talking about, but just go take care of what we know. We're both talking about there, a- and then the guy like Cohen goes on network television and is as confident in the extreme and says, we're, "That remember that's you?" Says who? I. These are these are liars, just like you have been spending all of this time, Steve, trying to think, connect the dots. They spend all their time thinking about how they can lie their way through life. These are just not good people. They lie when they don't have to because they're liars. And if this is something more than that, I listen, I, I, I want to find it out if he's guilty that that it's better that for all of us across America, Republican, Democrat, whatever, that we know so their, how deep this, is, this goes.
2: But It's their natural it, habitat.
0: Yes, this is a rude it's, Goldberg it's a reflex, machine of lies. The that's reflex that's what it is. Duran
2: Duran is a lonely child. And, that's what you're telling
0: me. Yes, and that's why we uh, keep putting these guys in there. This is a, per, a perjury Cause that, cause trap that's built actually on a perjury not trap, a bad explanation. trap built on a perjury trap. That's you're the right? best he has. There's a lot there. Yeah,
2: It's not a bad explanation. And I, here's why I didn't settle on it, though.
0: But I,
2: there's as good of evidence for this explanation as any, okay? Um, that we're just watching terrible people doing terrible things to other terrible people terribly. That's pretty much how we analyze the state of affairs in this arena on a daily basis. That's pretty much our, our natural habitat, right? That's kind of what you're alluding to. Here's the only reason why... I, I'm struggling to say that it's just that because they're not, they don't, don't they understand that lying about these things opens up cans of worms and wide sweeping subpoena. Would we know about Stormy Daniels if Michael Cohen wouldn't have lied to Congress about this? The answer is no. What, what, who, where would Michael Evanetti be today if they had not been lying about this? if it was just you see where I'm going with this? they are you telling me at the same time they don't understand being caught lying opens up cans of worms where now we can open up seven, eight, nine what?
3: different what? fronts what? against you? You, you read Steve, the old testament Steve, right yeah, let me let me let me get in here. What <laughs> have you already, already always said about Donald Trump though? He's Peter Pan. There's no consequences. When is okay. he?
2: Like, in other words, when has he been held accountable yeah. for it in so the that, past? That's, yeah.
3: yeah, that's what I. Uh, that that's the that basically Todd's theory is basically what I'm saying. These are all a bunch of idiots because they don't because they don't realize um, that there are consequences. Because I, I think it was maybe off the air. Yesterday, we were talking about this. What have these guys been doing basically their entire lives? Mm-hmm. Now, some of the, the businesses are, you know, legit, but essentially they're grifters. They're confidence men. Yes. And so they this is just their habitat. They don't think in terms of consequences. They just think in terms of how can I get the next big paycheck? How can I just get through this? How can I just uh, sham this guy? But then when they ran into the guy who ran, ran the, or, uh, ran the uh, Gambino crime family into jail, into the ground, they were like, oh, crap, we didn't realize maybe that there were going to be consequences about this. This is just they, – dude, they just have a different worldview than we do. They have a different way of seeing the world. So when we look at that and we look at their behavior, we see how the heck can you do this? In what world can you do this? Okay, now I and think there's something to what you guys are saying In their actually. worldview, they're like, um, how do I get out of this? Or yeah, how do I right? get the next big paycheck? Yep. It's just mm-hmm. a worldview issue.
2: I think there's something – now, okay, this, I, this does make some sense to me. Because I kind of think you kind of set it up and he may be filled in a gap because you're right. In Donald Trump's life, when has he ever been held accountable for anything at all? If this trophy wife puts on, gets gets a little too much tread in her tires, I just go get the next one. And then I have a bunch of Christian leaders tell me that I didn't, at least I didn't rape women like JFK allegedly did on national television. I mean, this is, this is the universe he lives in. There's never any accountability because the truth of the matter is most of the people that come to accuse him are just as terrible, if not more terrible, people than he is. And he can usually use that as his foil. In this case, this is the thing our side doesn't – well, maybe they do get it. It just isn't – it's just not good for business to say this out loud, so we don't. The reality is Al Capone didn't go to Alcatraz. For the Saint Valentine's Day Massacre, and for running numbers, and for uh, prostitution rings, and for racketeering, uh, and for uh, you know owning howitzers and Tommy guns after those got banned, and for running speakeasies and Prohibition, that's not what he went to Alcatraz for. What did he go to Alcatraz for? Tax evasion. So, in this case, the Elliot Ness of this case, for lack of a better description, his job is just to get the perp. By any, it doesn't matter. It, it, I mean, they, would they prefer to get him for what they think that he's guilty of? Sure, but if they can get him for any reason whatsoever, you that you love quoting the movie uh, The Untouchables all the time, right? The mission is to get Capone. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if it's a trivial charge. Doesn't matter if it's a tertiary charge. Doesn't matter if it's a made-up one. But can, can, we, can we get this guy out? Right? Am I wrong? That was was that the mission in the movie? Just yes. get the guy. So is that maybe what Bob Mueller is doing here? Hey. And, and that's what they're mad about, right?
1: Because he is he the special counsel. His authority is really undefined. It's not clear. Which is exactly why I hate how, this
2: office because of what you just exactly. said. Exactly.
1: Yep. But that's what gets people mad about mm-hmm. it is they don't trust Bob Mueller because they think he's just going to keep fishing and fishing and fishing and fishing until he finds something. And it doesn't matter if what he finds is totally unrelated to Russia collusion. Even though ostensibly the purpose of the special counsel investigation was to find Russia collusion, right? Mm-hmm. If he finds anything, they can get sort of Trump. He, that's why people call it a witch hunt. That's why Trump calls it a witch that's But this is people- the—you're
2: not old enough to remember this. We had this exact same conversation 25 years ago, just in or 20 years ago in reverse. The, the, the original independent counsel was appointed to go after the Clintons for Whitewater. Yeah, and then they couldn't do it because McDougal, the McDougal, Susan McDougal agreed to go to prison rather than sing, and so now the sudden, suddenly it became about blue dresses and Linda Tripp. When nobody knew who what the hell a Linda Tripp was, you know, we were looking at the Rose Law Firm and and all that stuff in the mid nineteen nineties, and then it evolved from there. And and all the same things that were being said about Ken Starr then are being said about mm-hmm. Robert Mueller now, just by two totally different groups of people and, that flipped the script. That's and all.
1: And here's the issue: is what what as conservatives, how do we respond to that if Mueller finds something and it's totally unrelated to Russia collusion, but it's still wrong? and Trump is guilty of it. Because I think we all recognize that Trump as president has done a lot of great things with the economy, with the tax cuts, and he's, doing, he's really sticking it in the eye of the left as far as keeping them from accomplishing their radical socialist agenda. And so when he's the president, he's the guy in the office, and you're trying to defend him from this stuff, if something bad happens but it's unrelated to reclusion, how do we respond to that? Because the expectation, I think, of our base is that we defend the guy no matter what because it's unfair that Bob Mueller has the power to just find whatever he finds. And on the other hand, it's wrong for Trump and the people surrounding Trump to lie about this stuff. If Trump and his lawyer didn't lie about anything, there wouldn't be an issue for Mueller to nail him on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, – it, and th- there was no Russian collusion either. So the whole media narrative about Trump stole the election from Hillary Clinton, that's bogus. It's unfair that Mueller is investigating all these uh, things with really no purpose to do so. But if he
2: finds something, how do we handle that? I mean for those that, those that are pushing back on us for saying, well, Steve, yesterday Cohen pled guilty to coordinating some, or something with Russia and lying about it. How is there no evidence of Russian collusion? Well, that's why I used the phrase as we were originally theorized after the election. Clearly, he's colluding with them for some reason. Is it to build a hotel? Is it? To, but but I. But here's the thing: if the independent counsel could have gotten Michael Cohen to say under oath that I was talking to the press secretary of Vladimir Putin, which he did say he under oath, that's who he said he was talking to. Was the one of the people he was talking to? When you read the plea, and I read every word, Cohen says I was speaking to the press secretary of the president of Russia. That's yeah. Vladimir Putin. Okay. Mm-hmm. If Cohen could have, if if, if Mueller could have gotten Cohen to say after that, and we were discussing materials he was going to provide us to help win the election, I have to believe we would have dropped that bomb yesterday, right? But we didn't. So we so it's just as possible that this was just about that they lied to cover up a, a you know a casino deal because they knew that it would look bad along the lines of what you're talking about that's why I said I've been saying it's we have no evidence of russian collusion as it was originally theorized Aaron after the election I know you want to chime in go ahead
3: Yeah in responding to what uh, Chris just brought up about how do we respond well there's two two things here how do how should we respond and how we probably will respond. How we should respond <laughs> is, hey, um, there are consequences. There's still consequences for lying, even if we don't like. How this was brought about, which I don't think anybody will. I don't think anybody here likes how this special counsel has been run, and I I'm sick of it. But at the same time, I can't just sit here and say, well, because I hate the special counsel, that means that to Cohen and Manafort and whoever else, mm-hmm. but especially Cohen, just get to get away with lying. That's how we should respond. Mm-hmm. That's the conservative way to respond. Uh, how we probably will respond is we'll never forget this, and uh, down with the, the down with the yes. um, government, and uh, we hate Democrats, and let's own the libs and CNN sucks. And then two weeks later, as T- Steve said yesterday, we're going to get a great jobs report and President Pence is uh, going to be president forever. And then we're going to be like, who the hell was Donald Trump?
1: Yeah. And, and Aaron, speak to exactly what I'm thinking about here, is because what happens if it finds out that President Trump lied about some crime or whatever he committed that is sketchy before he became president, the Never Trump movement, and which uh, a lot of our base gets really mad at, is going to say, see, aha, we knew Trump was a sleazebag. And it, it, that's why we got to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. And the, conservat- the people who support President Trump are going to be like, "But this has nothing to do with Russian collusions. We, why you can't take him out of office? I think what most matters for conservatives is simply the truth. If President Trump did something wrong, he should be called out for doing something wrong. And if, he, if it's not at the level of an impeachable offense, he shouldn't be impeached and conservatives shouldn't pile on against him. If it's wrong, we can settle that in maybe a presidential primary in 2020 if it's that serious. And if it's not serious, I think we should just move on with
2: all our lives. Exit question. If the level of Jeopardy, and I'll let you define Jeopardy. I didn't define it on purpose. If the level of Jeopardy Trump is now in were a Taylor Swift song, which Taylor Swift song would it be? I knew you were in trouble.
3: B, fearless. C, Endgame. D, bad blood. Aaron. Um, it was good. It's got to be, I knew you were in trouble. I, yeah, I knew you were in trouble. Todd.
2: Fearless. Aaron. I'm sorry, Chris.
3: See, I don't listen to Taylor Swift, man.
1: Um, Probably I knew you were trouble, and that's why I didn't initially support President Trump in the primary, and I thought this was going to be – not specifically what's happening now, but I thought he was going to be problematic as president. And uh, I think he, anybody objectively can la- look at the last two years and say, yeah, we've had some problems. Issue two, Jesse's
3: Twitter. Jesse Kelly got banned from Twitter. His account was never coming back, so he freaking lit up the leftist corporation on cable news. It hurts Twitter – worse than it hurt me because they finally kicked off somebody that woke everybody on the right up people are now starting to realize what Twitter has become twitter's nothing but a platform it's a blank piece of paper that somehow one day woke up and decided that they were the artist that they were in control of what gets put on that piece of paper and that's not where their power lies so if they continue along this path it's going to be nothing but two feminists screaming at each other because one of them accidentally found a boyfriend and then poof his account was back what a great example of how to do discourse with leftist persecutors. Laura Loomer, on the other hand, after her account was banned from Twitter, she decided to handcuff herself to Twitter HQ whilst wearing the Jewish Star of David as if this was the Holocaust.
0: I want my, I want my Twitter.
3: Police inform Laura Loomer that Twitter isn't pressing charges and she can stay chained to their door as long as she wants. Laura Loomer just said if she has to, she'll pee in her pants.
2: Okay! <laughs> How,
3: why did Jesse Kelly win this?
2: Chris, let me start with you. How did he win this one?
1: Jesse Kelly won this because he had the support from the conservative movement, and because he was well liked in the conservative movement. And I think uh, that's the difference between Jesse Kelly and Laura Loomer. And this is also a problem uh, that people rallied to Jesse Kelly's defense because he didn't. We knew he didn't say anything provocative or wrong or break to, in Twitter's roles, and we like the guy, right? Laura Loomer, on the other hand, is a more provocative figure. She's a more controversial figure. And so you see a lot of the people when these guys like got banned, like a lot of uh, – I think some Weekly Standard writers and other people were tweeting about, oh, it's good that she's gone. It's good that she's banned. They did the same thing for Alex Jones, and I think that's wrong. I think if you're going to support free speech and defend free, free speech, you have to defend it for everyone. You're allowed to say whatever you want to say even if what you say is stupid and we're allowed to condemn you for saying something stupid. But that you shouldn't get kicked off of a platform like Twitter if Twitter is going to propose that. It's a free speech platform. And then another thing that bugged me is on the radio yesterday because Jesse Kelly is a talk show host. And he was talking about the differences between how he was saved and Laura Loomer wasn't. He said he built, street, he built credit with the conservative movement. He built credit with mainstream media people and Laura Loomer hasn't done that. I, again, I think that's wrong. I think if you're going to defend free speech, you have to defend it for everybody. And if you're not going to defend free speech, well, you don't support free speech. It's as simple as that.
0: Todd? Well, there's a lot of things going on there. I do largely agree uh, with you, uh, Chris. Uh, But again, it's a distinction, Steve, you've pointed out. It's got to be – and Jesse Kelly makes it out. Is, Is this a platform? Or or not, if it's a platform, you do have to uh, support free speech. If it if you're a private business and you decide you want to be a logic, uh, ideological, uh, you're entitled to that too. But that d- uh, involves a different level of regulation, and this is where people are too easily going into what they think are supposed to be uh, the tribes they're going into, and you you, you make uh, you make arguments that ultimately can't stand the test of time for your uh, broader interest. If you it, because you know we we bring in the cake baker and the florist into this argument and we want to talk about uh, uh what um uh, private businesses are well we, we need to be prepared to to argue for uh how far that goes and if we're if we're um if we're confusing the issue between what's a platform uh and what is an actual an ideological business i think we're going to confuse more people than ultimately we help in the end including um our, ourselves so i i'm I'm also concerned that there's this part of Twitter, there's, there's a conservative clickishness within Twitter that just wants uh, and needs it a little too much. It is important to fight for the general nature of free speech, but I, 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 as it applies to Twitter specifically, man, um, it would not hurt my feelings at all if if whatever is conservatism on Twitter just – left it including us uh, that's not a reality i'm prepared to address tomorrow but man I, I just this seems like an idol that we are gathering around uh, unfortunately and um it doesn't it, it, this is not something that ultimately is going to be a, a, a great hill to die on in the future uh,
2: hey, you want to respond to that i, I do want to go ahead chris just,
1: uh, to speak to todd's point and that, that's what insta pundit basically did right is glenn reynolds is a conservative blogger And he deactivated his Twitter account in response to Jesse Kelly getting banned from Twitter. And he's like, look, this platform hates us. Uh, Jack Dorsey hates our point of view. They're not supporting us. They're going to ban us for stupid reasons. I'm not going to feed the trolls. I'm not going to be a part of it. On the other hand, is that the right response for conservatives? Do we cede another platform to the left? Because Twitter, you know, there's hundreds of millions of people using Twitter. It it can be a powerful tool for spreading a message and for creating narratives and uh, do we just abandon it? Let the left have its way with it, let the mainstream media have its way with it and go somewhere else on the internet where not as many people are there or maybe we can't reach these people because that's what we've seemed to done in education. And it's what we've seemed to done in Hollywood or these are huge institutions the left has entirely just taken over. Uh, is Twitter a place that we have to retreat from or should we stay there and should we fight?
3: Aaron? I think uh, Jesse Kelly won this uh, because he successfully, without being crazy, uh, unlike Laura Loomer, because Loomer did the same thing that Jesse Kelly did in blowing up a big picture of uh, Louis Farrakhan calling himself not anti Semite, but anti Termite, and with the caption says, not banned, and then her picture of her criticizing Elon Omar from Minnesota, saying banned. So she did. Um, she did the same thing that Jesse Kelly did, but she was just went about it in a completely cr- crazy, bat crap, crazy way. Um, so I think Kelly successfully, without making himself out to be a, just a completely crazy person pointed out the absolute fallacy, as he said, and I, I, you told me about the line from Tucker Carlson's show that if they continue along this route, Twitter will just become two angry feminists yelling at each other about accidentally getting a boyfriend. Um, that that's That is what I'm talking about, pointing out the hypocrisy of not only their business model but the complete arbitrary nature of whatever their terms of service are, and so I think that's how he won this one.
2: I thought the, the, one of the best lines of this week, and I brought this up when you weren't here, Chris, but I I thought one of the best lines of this battle was your line. What is the service Twitter is providing? Yeah. Okay. Because they claim to have terms of service. What is their service? You know, they're not making the speech. They're a utility like they, like your power company doesn't make the electricity, right? right? They don't make the water. they are you are They're a platform for you to access it. And they they don't get to say, well, you know, we think your particular religious views or socioeconomic views are so abhorrent that you don't get water uh, pumped into your home. They're they're not permitted to do that. Ma Bell wasn't permitted to say, well, Larry Flint is using uh, his phone line to sell smut, so we're not going to give him one. They weren't permitted to do that. What is their service? They have terms of service for what service? They're they're a platform. So uh, if they if they if if they are they a, well that's the question. Are they a platform or an algorithm? Now, an algorithm is a service. A platform is a utility. So, if they're a platform, well, then they are exempted from the uh, the regulations of a of a ideological. You're saying if they're a publisher. Y- yes. Yeah. Uh, but if but if they are if they are if they're edit if they're not just a platform, but they are publishing and they want an editorial comment, and that's what their algorithm accomplishes. Well, then. That requires a different set of standards and regulations, along the lines of what you talked about. They should be; they can make whichever choice they want. I believe that, mm-hmm. but yes. they should be forced to make that yes. choice That's and exactly and, right. and not get this middle ground where they kind of sit here like some oligarchial entity that, that that I don't agree
1: with. I think the point you're trying the point you're making is corporatism is not freedom. Yes,
2: There's being a corporation and then a corporatist, I would agree with that. All right, well, yes or no? Quickly, are conservatives going to be welcome on Twitter a year from now? Yes or no? Probably not. Aaron, no. No. I think the answer is actually
3: yes. Right
2: All right, we'll come back. Obama unfiltered. Stay tuned. All right, back here live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. You know, Todd, uh, Chris Pandolfo and... Uh, are Aaron McIntyre. They're not dads yet. One of the things they're going to have to learn, though, is what's called the dad move. And there's multiple different levels of the dad move, but one of the primary dad moves, it requires you to get your kids to try and do the right thing when they really don't want to. Now, some may call this a trick. I, I really think that's harsh language. I would not I would maybe use more, uh, you know, a, a more genteel term. Um, No, I think scheme's probably too harsh as well. How about um, uh, ulterior convincing?
0: You like that? Is that a good phrase? I I just call it yelling at them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You guys have a pen so I can take notes. Yes. And so Noah doesn't like vegetables at all. Hates them.
0: He doesn't like anything but, like, three foods at a time. And it, and it rotates, man, yes. like
2: every four months. Like, every fiscal quarter, it's a new three foods. <laughs> All right? Like, he wanted Chick-fil-A for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then, like, last week, he's like, nah,
3: it's off my list. Does oh, right. he have, like, a That's board haric- of directors haric, that he gets together, and he's like, okay, what are we going to like in I'm, this
2: quarter? You know, I'm, I'm at the point where I'm looking at him. I'm like, hey, we're dudes. We're not allowed to be high-maintenance, and I can, you're a good-looking kid. I can promise you. It won't matter how good-looking you are. Women don't want to put up with high-maintenance dudes. You are not permitted to be more high maintenance than she is. That is just the law of the jungle, and you need to. And, I, and it's my job to teach you this right now. Okay. So, and even his sisters, who normally, when I get on him, are like, "Don't be so hard on him." Even his sisters are like, "True that. Dad's right about that. You don't get to be more high maintenance than us." Okay.
0: <laughs> How high maintenance is Amy with your no leftovers and your <laughs> spring cleaning regime?
2: <laughs> oh, uh, that's not high maintenance. That's just maintenance. <laughs> All right. Maintaining hygienic standards. That's what we're doing around here. Okay. Uh, So, you know, one of the things, we got the Brick House Nutrition Box in the mail a few weeks ago, and Noah loves, like, those Mean Green Machine drinks, which I am hesitant to buy, because they're not quite naked. Oh, it has all the ingredients on, in it you want, and then there's this one ingredient, sugar, of which there's like a 700 grams. All right, oh, which kind of defeats. Yeah, it, 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 it kind of defeats the purpose of drinking all of that uh, wheatgrass when you're putting it down with 700 <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> grams. Kind of <laughs> waters it down a little bit, you know. So he smelled the the bottle when I opened it up. He's like, "Wow, that smells really good. Can I try it?" And now, like every day, every day, he is getting his daily dose of USDA, vegetarian, vegan, organic, uh, certified fruits and vegetables, courtesy of Field of Greens from Brickhouse Nutrition. So I, that, was a, that was a classic dad move on my part, but it would not have been possible without our friends and partners at Brickhouse Nutrition.
0: If Noah can outlast the first quarter, I think we might see him on Field of Greens boxes in the near future. Yeah. Nice. He seems to be their man. <laughs>
2: yeah. Nice. So listen, for a limited time offer, if you want to trick your, I'm sorry, if you want to, uh, all, uh, you want to convince your children, that they should start consuming their daily dose of fruits and vegetables as well. Visit BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. Use promo code Steve. You'll get 15% off of your first order. Again, that's BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve, 15% off your first order. And start today experiencing a better you
4: for tomorrow.
2: All right, back to the Dace Group. Let's get to issue three, Obama unfiltered.
4: And, 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 and I, I, what I would agree with is is that the, the Washington consensus, whatever you want to call it, got a little too comfortable with, yeah, you know, they're looking at GDP numbers and they're looking at, you know, the Internet and everything's looking pretty great. And then particularly after the Cold War, Jim, you know, after what you guys engineered, you have this period yeah. of great uh, smugness on the part of America. And American elites thinking we got this all figured out, remember there were, there were books coming out that 's the yeah, end yeah, of history, yeah, yeah. and you know the, but, the end of history, yeah, <laughs> Francis it Sufiano. came back to bite us, mm. so i don 't know was that that was that was kind of a long lecture there i'm just, whether it was Cronkite or Brinkley or what have you, there was a common set of facts, a baseline around which both parties had to uh adapt and respond to. And by the time I take office, what you increasingly have is a a media environment in which if you are a Fox News viewer, you have an entirely different reality than if you are a New York Times reader. Not only did I not get indicted, nobody in my administration got indicted. by the way, was the only administration in modern history that that can be said about. Um, in fact, nobody came close to being indicted, partly because the people who who joined us were there for the right reasons. I was extraordinarily proud of the Paris Accords because uh, look, I know you know uh, you know what I, I know we're an oil country, and uh, we need. American energy, and and by the way, uh, American energy production, uh, you wouldn't always know it, uh, uh, but, you know, it went up every year I was president. Um, And, you know, that whole, suddenly America's like the the biggest oil producer and the biggest guy, that was me, people, I just (laughs) want you to, so, so, uh, (laughs) so. It's a little like, you know, sometimes you go to Wall Street and folks would be grumbling about anti-business. I said, have you checked where your stocks were when I came in office and where they are now? What what are you talking? What are you complaining about? Just say thank you, please, um, because because I want to raise your taxes a couple percent. All right. First question.
0: <laughs>
2: All right, Todd, I'll, I'll take the bait. I'll start with you. Go ahead. What, do you, do you, what should we make of this?
0: Let me tell you something. <laughs> do you know how you pull off sitting in a big leather chair in a tuxedo, complaining about all the elites who, have, who were sc- screwed us all up by thinking they had it all figured out, and sitting there telling them, basically telling them over and over again in multiple ways that I'm the elite who has it all figured out? You got to be cool like me. This is a lesson, folks. As much as you have policy in your back pocket and all that mumbo-jumbo, you got to have style. Remember what? Sammy Davis, it's more important to look good than to feel good, was once said by a wise prophet known as Billy Crystal playing Sammy Davis Jr. So, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, I can turn this draw on, I can turn it off, it doesn't really matter. We can go on this all day long. I can wear wearing a tuxedo or something from Hee I'm just cool. I can pull it off. And that's why I can be the elite who knows everything while simultaneously ripping on the elites who thought they knew everything and knew nothing. And some of them were even in my own party.
2: Chris.
1: Uh, I, I, well, 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 this is why people can't stand Obama. <laughs> Uh, th- this is well, why. This is this why. This is
2: why. Maybe our people can't stand Obama.
1: Exactly. But yeah. the, I was going to say this is why my like people like my dad who just watch Obama on screen, and then they watch Trump on screen, and th- this is why they love Donald Trump. He's the complete polar opposite of everything that Obama acted like that in, in that clip, and people just can't tolerate the smugness. You know, Obama's criticizing other people for being smug. That was absurdly smug in that clip. And just lecturing. He always talks down to everybody. He always condescends to everybody. And you look at a guy like Trump. He talks like one of us. He, he he just says whatever comes to his mind. He is not very polished. He's not very forward thinking about what he's going to say next. And people love that extemporaneous, just kind of, wow. I, I, he t- he speaks like me. Obama doesn't do that, and Obama lies in the process of not doing that. And, and I think that's a big reason why people forgive Trump for the thing, the crazy things that he says, because he's just he's so. Different than the last eight years, which we couldn't tolerate.
2: Again, I think this is why our people forgive Trump. There's a whole lot of people out there that think that that is right on the money, sure, and think that and have a flipped script of everything that you just said, which we just I agree our with our version of that. Yes, but this is again goes to there are two wholly separate countries that are occupying the exact same landmass here simultaneously.
1: Which, funnily enough, that's what Obama said. Yeah. Is the two being two different? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, Now, I don't disagree with him that if you follow Fox News and The New York Times, you live in a totally different America. Where him and I would disagree is he would, I'm sure, believe that Fox is the one who created yeah. this mess rather yep. than is the symptom of it. Yep. Similar to I that Trump is, Trump is the symptom of the system, of what it became. He didn't break the system. The system broke, and that's why people turn to a guy like Donald Trump. But what do you think, Aaron?
3: I just want to say, Todd, there are going to be like 15 people who are going to ask for your own show after that, <laughs> after that performance. So, He's well, done. Uh, well done. Well uh, done. This, this is, I think, uh, very important to understand, um, for us to understand and for us to get around. The things that we value most as conservatives and taking a look at what conservatism is and how we have defined it in observational science about what has worked best for the human condition over the course of 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 history that precludes us being people of thought being people of rationale uh... being people of philosophy that those are not the languages though that the human being just on its own that's not the language that most human beings communicate in they communicate in uh... emotion and they communicate in uh... style and if you can communicate in those, if you can communicate more in your body language than what's coming out of your mouth, and your body language is cool and relaxed and cool and cool, as Todd pointed out, you will go a long ways. That's why the the left has also, and this is what we talked about with humor as well. If you are funny, you can be completely brutal. You can be you can annihilate people. We have to get our minds around that as conservatives. How do we package our messaging in a package that's cool, that's funny? I think there are some people who are starting to figure that out, um, but that is a lesson that we have to learn. That as long as you are cool, that you're in vogue, that you're funny, you can say anything. The challenge, of course, is if you are cool, if you are all that, if you're the complete package, if you're the conservative Obama, the gatekeepers will never let you. Will never let you say a word on their on their platforms. Um, and so that's that's the challenge, but we have to understand that. That we are not we, we cannot um, we cannot merely um, just uh, spread our message in terms of philosophy and good policy and all this and that. We have to be able to communicate emotionally just as long as that um, as that message is rooted in our
2: Yeah, philosophy. people vote for people. They don't yeah. vote for formulas. Yeah. They don't vote for constructs or I I wish I would have just said How, that. That was a yeah. much less. How much do
0: y'all think it costs to go to that? little thing the people in the audience how much probably in a the? hundred in, bucks
2: in, i'd say five figures
0: and he's yeah. sitting there complaining about elites or four like, figures Hercules. I, w-
2: I would say like a thousand dollars a plate yeah. and you photo id to get in yeah ironically enough exit question who was the more successful democratic president and why and again i'm i'm not defining success on purpose i'll leave that open to you a barack obama b fdr c woodrow wilson what do you think todd
0: <clears throat> oh, I, I need a little bit more time to allow Barack Obama to have that status. I, I, we got to see things play out I, to put him above FDR.
3: Aaron? Oh, it's Barack Obama.
1: Chris? FDR. Uh, yeah, Woodrow Wilson began the progressive movement in the Democratic Party, but FDR was the one who institutionalized it uh, and created many of the institutions that Obama used when he was in office. If there's no FDR, there's no Obama.
3: Issue four,
2: Rudolph Red-nosed racist.
3: Huffington Post conceived, spent time writing, hours editing, and produced a two-minute and 18-second video that they published surrounding the problematic social justice issues in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Issues like Rudolph's father verbally abusing him? All right, son, try it on. I don't wanna. Daddy, I don't. You'll like it and wear it.
0: Oh, but daddy.
3: Santa berating Donner for Rudolph's nose.
4: Donner, you
3: should be ashamed of yourself. Donner's misogyny during the search for Rudolph. No,
0: this is man's work.
3: And the list goes on and on. Seriously, how do leftists live with themselves? That's got to be a terrible existence.
2: By the way, Huffington Post, the number one news political site in the United States and there actually isn't a close second there isn't anybody on our side that that competes with them so first question are they serious with this or is this clickbait trolling i mean i mean serious like do these people go home at night and behave this way or is this their version of dude this gets clicks and mama got to eat what do you think chris
1: I think they're serious about it in a way that they think that there are problematic issues and it's worth pointing out. It's worth thinking, people thinking about this. You know, It's this whole uh, ideology of oppression, ideology of intersectionality. And they think that you could take a pop culture thing like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and if we can read into our, our worldview into it to teach people about our worldview and make them think like us, that I think that's what they're doing here. And if they can get clicks at the same time, you know, why not?
2: Meaning, Todd.
0: Well – This is what you call terraforming, which is why I believe they're serious, Eh, And you combine this with what also happened in the same week, where you have a uh, drag queen going to what I believe was a city council uh, meeting, uh, and not dressed s- as a drag queen, not dressed as a drag enough, queen, yeah. but talking about. I'm, uh, he says, quote, I'm grooming the next generation, and then the people sitting behind him, who are just, you know, to say, he actually said it out loud. It's a the truth. Then he he says, well, and you hear those snickers. Those people are disgusting. They are absolutely terraforming a generation to just be so numb. It's not just—it's not just one piece. You have to put it all together, and it's why they've taken over the public education and why they've taken over universities. The younger they get you, and they—they simply program you. I mean, all of us are. Program to as Christians, mm-hmm. uh, we program ourselves to one degree or another to be uh, uh, prepared for for the life uh, that we are supposed to live. So it's not just coming at us at a million miles per hour. They are programming a generation to default. Into seeing um, bigotry where we see insanity and a need for great love and mercy to rescue people, they are trying to reprogram young children, the children that Steve and I have, to think that this is the norm. It's absolutely purposeful now, and we've also proven in some. I I wouldn't be surprised if clickbait on some level does exist for them, but we've also proven. I don't think the press uh, is. They could be doing so much more to actually get more people reading things, and they actually double down on their ideology. They
2: are so the editorial in that meeting at HuffPo, when this topic came up. You believe they're like, "Oh, that's really profound," and nobody snickered it, and was like, it,
3: "That'll that'll troll the conservatives." No, no. I, well, if I could get in, well, go ahead. Yeah, it, no, can no, no,
0: go be, ahead. it can be both. But I think very quickly because we got to get like. to predictions so, as well. I haven't
3: grown up uh, in an evangelical church, um, and Chris might be familiar with this mm-hmm. as well. The uh, the sword drill that they'd have the kids do. Do you guys know about no. this? Uh, so you do a sword drill. You get out your sword. Get out your Bible. Okay, find Matthew 11. Okay, find Hezekiah 15.10. Okay, find Genesis uh, 59. It would just be a way for for kids to practice finding references in their Bible and, and opening up their Bible. It was a sword drill. It was really fun. And whoever got to the place first won a little prize. This is the progressive version of a sword okay. drill. Yeah. Okay, wow. um, that's find, good. Finds find good. Funcity. This is progressive catechesis. you
1: Yes. I
0: hear you.
2: Okay. All right, let's get to predictions. Chris, I'll start with you.
1: All right. Uh, I've been thinking about what to predict for a long time, and I just came to the conclusion, Todd, I was going to beat Wisconsin.
0: Whoa! Whoa! Did he just step? He just like came that? in here and stepped to you. <laughs> oh, this is a, oh, here we go. Here's our here's our Steve Dace dinner theater. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Todd, your prediction. Well, um, listen. Uh, my prediction is based on what I heard on the rate. What was it? Thirteen ten last night. Cowboys beat the Saints. Mm-hmm. People are. All- I go, oh, the Cowboys have arrived. I actually think I think they're going to be knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Listen, it is a nice win, uh, but my bigger concern you you can only score thirteen points against the Saints' defense. That's the bigger issue. I yeah, the fact that you finally stop, somebody's finally stopped the Saints, but sometimes offenses get bogged down. We look at what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now. You you've got to score more than thirteen points. You cannot get through the playoffs like that. If you don't, you're going to lose in the first round.
3: Aaron, I also will pre- predict that the uh, the Hawkeyes are going to beat the Badgers tonight. It's going to be a really close game, um, but. You know, I think I think at this point in the season, I think the Hawkeyes are going to pull it through.
2: So I may have to change my prediction based on the news that came out right before we went on the air. But my original prediction was Neil deGrasse Tyson was going to be the next big name caught up in hashtag me, too. Why? Because those stories are beginning to percolate oh, as we speak. Women are coming forward. But now I'm beginning to wonder if it's going to be Alan Dershowitz. I mean, there is a story out about him today that is just, uh, if true, beyond revolting. Hour two coming up. It's Feedback Friday. We're going to take a look at your feedback and respond to as much of it as we can right here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. Stay tuned. All right, back with our two of the Steve Day Show. <clears throat> Damn you and those vinegar chips, Todd. Live on the Blaze. <laughs> uh, You're welcome for those, by the way. Was it from you? Yeah. Oh, I should have guessed. It's the millennial. <laughs> he knows me. The millennial tempter. Uh, on demand here at CRTV, Chris Pandolfo is joining us here in studio. Came all this way just to bring, Todd, sea salt and vinegar potato chips. I mean, that's mm-hmm. taken service a little too far, but... We appreciate the That's effort. That's how you win friends
1: and influence people.
2: Indeed. Uh, and the way to a man's heart is definitely through his stomach. So, uh, Chris's appearance today is uh, brought to you by CRTV. If you want a subscription to CRTV in 2019, great Christmas gift. You don't just get our show every day, uh, but uh, the roundtable we do and every other show. The great one, Mark Levin, right on down. It is right now on sale for Christmas. DACE Christmas is the promo code at CRTV.com. DACE Christmas how much of a discount, like $1.52 a week, I think is what it'll cost you throughout 2019 at Dace Christmas promo code at CRTV.com. All right. It is now time for today's Truth Bomb, which again is a completely and totally contrived segment we just made up so that I could help to drive more advanced sales for my next book, Truth Bombs, uh, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise which is due out on January the 15th. You can get pre-orders right now for Christmas, if you'd like, at Amazon.com. I know you had a chance to read this book, Chris. I did. And you thought it you found it to be a commendable a mediocrity, from what I recall.
1: Uh, I really loved your book, Steve. I think there's a lot of important things in the book that people need to know about, a lot of things that others in conservative media aren't willing to talk about. And uh, I will have a review of your book, on Conservative Review, when we get a little bit closer to the release date. So I'll be on the lookout for that.
2: Now, in just a full disclosure, I did make one major change to the book. I had several people that I got uh, their response to it before I submitted the final manuscript to the publisher. You were on that list. Yeah. And I did make one major change to the introduction of the book. Yours, I think, might have been the only person's uh, suggestion I took, actually. Uh, and I did make this change because basically Chris thought I was too mean to you guys. And Chris suggested that at some point I should actually want people to finish reading the book. All right. Is that a fair assessment of your a criticism? Fair. Well,
1: you understand. You quoted me in your book. So I need to make sure that people read this to see how great I am. And <laughs>
0: Coattails, baby.
2: Coattails. Now, there is a truth bomb indeed. All right. So here is today's truth bomb, and it comes courtesy of our friends at the Babylon Bee our favorite parody site, but this one I'm not sure how much of a parody it is. Christian women now in favor of invading Middle East after Pentagon claims they have essential oils. All right. Now here's the thing: um, we have these at our home. All right. Are you familiar with these? We have them in my home. Right. Steve, who's not I have them in my, them my home. home?
3: <laughs> you have them in your home. Yeah.
2: Have yeah. you now? Have you guys used any of
3: these? No. Yes, you have. I've used melaleuca oil for uh, cleaning circuit boards
0: and getting rid of acne, and it worked. It works for both. Todd, ever ever heard of frankincense? I mean, there's all, all yeah many, yeah. There's there's the one of the famous one called uh, thieves. It's named yeah. that way yeah. because it was uh, used to protect people from dealing with uh, the sick. I mean, it's it's a real deal.
2: Now I have no idea if these are holistically viable. Okay. But I have sampled these. I've used some of these. I will tell you this. The the Die G's blend, have you guys ever tried that? No. I mean, if you got an upset tummy and you're traveling or something like that? I don't, I've actually taken it with me on trips and I've been on the road. And maybe it's psychosomatic. I don't know. But- and you know I'm not prone to optimism anyway so I'm not I'm not you know I've got my weaknesses but I'm not really vulnerable to psychosomatic solutions cuz I'm kind of of the mindset of when is this going to fail me next I'm a total depravity <laughs> kind of guy you know so I'm not prone to believe that cuz you handed me something it's going to work my mind works the exact opposite I'm I'm from Missouri you got to show me type you know so I have I've used the, the DiG's one and it's worked quite a bit they've got one it's a uh, deep relief you know kind of like a natural oil version of a of a ben gay or a gold bond kind of cream i've used have no that is i don't know what you're talking about you, you don't just way over my head okay well you you're clearly just not as embedded in evangelical I'm subculture i'm not married is what it is it's pretty sad that the catholic over here like totally gets this and our millennial evangelical kid over here is just completely out of the loop on this right now and this
0: is one of those things also like uh home birthing my four kids were born at home with like you will have evangelicals catholics you will have like tree worshipers and things like that doing it really the, the streams cross in this world in very very interesting ways um who was the gal that used to
2: host the daytime talk show where the white guys who thought they were black would go on there and yell at each other and uh Oh, there's one of my favorite '90s rock songs, uh, Ricky Lake. The, the Remember Steve, Ricky Lake? Oh Steve yeah, Day show. they
0: okay. yeah. got <laughs> no. midwifery. Yeah,
2: yeah. I Amy and I actually considered doing the home birth thing, and then an advocate for that in Iowa gave us a video to try to close the deal on it, and I it it, it forced me to watch Ricky Lake give birth, and uh, that's an yeah. amazing video.
0: Yeah, it is. <laughs> It is <laughs> I not, I, just the, it's yeah, not just. Yeah, I know re- that video. It's not just. I've re- seen re- it is. It it's a, it's, an act, it's called the business of giving birth. It includes her, but it's an actual movie about the business of giving birth <laughs> over time, and it includes yes, Ricky Lake for what, however many minutes. But it's like a hour and a half got, long documentary.
2: I, I got. I got much more, much more of a look at Ricky Lake than uh, I was planning on. You know. And uh, Maury Povich jumped out of the bush and said, you are the father. And uh, yeah, we, we went to the hospital. I mean, uh, we uh, had all three of our kids at the hospital. After that.
1: Steve, yeah. I'm, I'm just hearing about it and it's too much for me. So. Yeah,
2: you don't, don't. He's if they, if, if you guys, if you, when you guys eventually get married, all right, and if your wife is into this and she comes to you and, she, and tell her she sold you already because there are good reasons to do it. All right. And if they just would have, taken yes for an answer but the fact that they compelled me um to watch ricky lake give birth i'm i I was
3: i was out chris we were gonna watch a movie tonight after the iowa game we were
1: (laughs) and if you make me watch that i'm leaving
2: (laughs) yeah we called those faces of death when we were kids (laughs) um now now and and, and we watched guys with on pcp jump off buildings remember those videos now it's uh now it's Watch Ricky Lake give birth. No. We're, we're, what were life, we Steve? even talking about? Your
3: book? Essential oils. We started about essential oils, <laughs> <Yes>. and <laughs> then we
1: lost half the audience. And yeah. then- All
2: right, so I, I know these things get panned. I just wanted to say truth bomb. We have them in our home, yeah. and I have used them at times. I, and not every time I've tried one have I felt like some, you know, mana came down from heaven or something, but...
0: I have actually had these be helpful to me in my life, and so I just wanted to mention that. That's all. Yeah. No, my point, and I, I don't think—the thieves thing I mentioned, it's to deal with the sick, but thieves who were stealing things from the dying actually used them as their armor, their de, their defense, uh, which is, you know, the good coming away from the bad. But they're, and, and, and the biblical—it's uh, an interesting, I mean, deep, deep, deep dive into the biblical— uh, teachings on uh, the use of oils. I mean, obviously, the Catholics have a sacramental aspect to them. So, I did a story on this in the Des Moines Register. Did you go to like Hillsdale or something? Oh, I
2: went to Hillsdale. Yeah. Right. So, we are Hill's defying College. stereotypes here. The Catholic in Iowa is all in on essential oils, and the homes and the and the and the, and the evangelical oh, kid that College. went to Hillsdale has is has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah, it's right? just not a thing
1: in my family. I don't know. I guess we're just, Chris, we like modern a- products and you know. Uh, pro-capitalism
2: there's some elitism for you (laughs) so Aaron when you bring Chris home to the parents and he doesn't know anything at all about essential oils at the McIntyre homeschool household their reaction will be what? heretic? burn him? it's funny because
1: my brother married a girl who was homeschooled and they have like a huge family of 14 kids mm -hmm. and they're all about the essential oils there you go
2: yes I guess so. Yeah. Right. So I know these things bomb. get. I know these Rumble things. Get, these things get parodied, but I just wanted to drop a little truth bomb that I have actually used them, and I am naturally skeptical by nature, mm-hmm. and they've actually been helpful to me. So, that was today's truth bomb. Now please go buy my book. It's at Amazon.com. <laughs> right now. All right, let's get to today's feedback, or this week's Feedback Friday. This is the feedback you've sent to us recently. One of three ways, steve at stevedace.com, that's the email address, or you've liked us on Facebook, or followed us on Twitter, at Steve Day Show. This is from Jeffrey Payne, and he writes, Deep in the heart of every progressive, in a sub-basement that doesn't appear on any of their blueprints, in a windowless room with a bricked-up door, lies the law of non-contradiction. Because the power of contradiction is the point of progressivism. This is the beauty of constructing your own truths, custom-crafted to realize your every desire. And when progressives are not in authority, their Alinskyite flip-flopping keeps their opponents off balance. But when they are in authority, their arbitrary exercise of power puts fear in the hearts of their victims. Contradiction. For the progressive, it's not a flaw, it's a feature. What are you guys' reaction to that? Because I kind of thought it was brilliant. That's what I thought. What
0: do you think, Todd? Hey, man. You don't... It's all a means to an end. And the end is? Power. Is power. Power, control. Yeah, yeah, you don't... And and, um, and listen, you, you... the one thing they do have to be for this to be correct you have to know your audience in a a nimble people who are true uh patriots and understanding of the uh the fruits uh, that were born out of the uh efforts uh, of the founding fathers you you can't that that won't work but right. we aren't that people and right. we haven't been for a long time so mm-hmm. yeah they they, they declare Yahtzee. They win. Yeah,
1: this is all Nietzsche, man. It's Nietzsche, the famous German philosopher who was an atheist. To a, um, this was the, for hated.
2: people who want to, don't know your Nietzsche, Uber. this is the Übermensch. This was an influential thinker, yep. the idea of a master race yep. was influential to the Nazis. Uh, the notion that God is dead and we have killed him, those, mm-hmm. that kind of uh, philosophy.
1: His whole idea was the whole history of philosophy. Every philosopher who's ever come before me, uh, philosophy is not actually about seeking truth. They just invented their own truths and tried to convince people to it. Mm-hmm. Truth is like stars in the sky. You can just pick your own star and that's the one you want to follow. And the will to power is your ability to convince other people of your truth. And
3: so there really is no truth. There's no objective truth. It's power that all,
1: is all that matters. And it's exactly what he's saying in this email.
3: So, Yeah, and Nietzsche Nietzsche is always going to be right so long as your worldview starts and ends with the human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, And and that's – yeah, you can just pick and choose your own truth. I thought that – Jeffrey Payne, that, that was who mm-hmm. wrote that? Yeah, that was, that was profound. It is not only a feature. It is. It is the essence of, of progressivism. Let me,
2: let me say this, though. I agree it is the essence of progressivism, but I also believe it, that I, it, it's not it's kryptonite because progressivism isn't a political ideology. I've been trying to tell audiences this for years. It's a religion. Yes. Uh, and it's the, it is the spirit of the age. And the it, the only thing that defeats a bad theology is a good theology. You are not going to defeat progressivism, even if you had the Republican Party wasn't in and of itself a scam. In my opinion, it would not even in, even in a pure grade form. It'd be better at holding it back. It wouldn't do things like fund its own political enemies, which it does now. Mm-hmm. Okay, meaning it, it wouldn't enable its destruction, but it, it 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 could not defeat this. This is this is a this is. And, and Jeffrey Payne articulates this in the note. You, this is Genesis. Uh, you know, gen This is the garden. Is what this is. The, you know, ye be like God. You have your desires satiated. You decide for yourself what is right and wrong. God is holding back on you, or isn't worthy of being followed or worshipped, and you make the decision. Yeah. Okay. And so even even a, even an adequate. political party operating with integrity within its own ideology in and of itself would do a better job of holding it back rather than enabling its conquest, but it would not defeat this because this requires a a singularity, a transcendent institution uh, in order to confront its, it's um, it's stepping to an invasion of the transcendent. And that is the church Uh, that notwithstanding though, we aren't. We we are the church as believers, but we're not the church at the same time. Meaning, we we are we 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 are the priesthood of every believers, which Todd may or may not necessarily care for that line of thinking, but I can't come up with a better um, description. But we don't have the the corporate accoutrements that of. of weaponry that the spiritual weaponry that the church as a as a centralized institution is capable of being on a, on a battlefield uh, of, of, uh, on a cultural battlefield but in the secular arena there are more effective ways to push back against this to slow it down than we will typically use and it was used actually this week The number one reason that Jesse Kelly beat Twitter, in my opinion, is the is the collective call out conservative media had on its double standard and the ridicule of it. And I and you saw this yesterday with Laura Loomer on Twitter. in, In how the worm sort of turned for her. When she showed up there, chaining herself with the yellow Holocaust Star of David, can we? J- we just did a segment called "Truth Bombs." That's freaking ridiculous, guys. Okay, this isn't this isn't Auschwitz. It's Twitter. Okay, that was that's beyond the pale. But but she still has a right to do it. I, I don't disagree. She has a right to do it. I'm talking about what's effective tact ta- sure. tactical. You you you, you, have a, you she you needs have a, an editor. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Yes. Okay, But when she changed herself to Twitter's door while projecting their own hypocrisy where um, uh, where Louis Farrakhan is concerned. Oh, now. That's where I tapped in. I'm in now. See, now now you're waging the right fight. The reason political correctness was created was. And, and this swept college campuses when you guys were little and Todd and I were on a college campus. Co- political correctness was created to avoid the possibility of ever losing arguments to people like us by never ever having to be confronted with the failure of your own standard or the fact that you're bathing in a double, in a, in a double standard or hypocrisy. And so to avoid that, I just call you a racist, misogynistic, homophobic bigot. You're beneath contempt. You're not worthy of debating. And therefore, you have no standing to challenge me on any level whatsoever. And if you cut through that and point out the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy that, and and, and then you ridicule it at the same time. And the reason why that's that's the most effective tactic in the secular arena is because, as you've heard me say on this show before, most of America is not conservative. It's not communist either. Most Americans really don't care about any of the stuff that we're arguing at the Huffington Post about on a daily basis. They don't care. They don't have the they don't have the luxury of caring. They don't have even if they had meaning they, they got bills, kids, distractions, and then even if they didn't have those distractions, they lack the discernment to care because of what the state is of the centralized church in America today. And and what you typically find is whichever side appears to be pressing the advantage in the culture war on the other side alienates that swath of Americans that don't want to have to make a call. Which is why 10 years ago, the how's my gay marriage impacting your gay marriage and why can't two people love each other? These were very effective tactics because people like you and me, Todd, were making people that don't want to have to make decisions on these issues. We were compelling them with marriage amendment votes to make decisions on an issue they want to not, they want to just avoid. Well, we're not the ones doing that now. They are. They're the ones with bake the cake, bigot. They're the ones with throw this person in jail. They're the ones with, Hey, you can't own a business and we take your own home away. They're the ones on offense in the culture war. Now they're the ones forcing most Americans that don't have the discernment nor the luxury of, of, of having existential opinions on these issues. They're forcing them to, they're the ones. And they're the ones now on the March. And so we're the ones that are now the benefits of the backlash vote. We're the sympathetic figures now. That's what the Chick, and this really began with Chick-fil-A six years ago. And when they went after Chick-fil-A and they huge, they were going to take Chick-fil-A off the bowl game in Atlanta and get rid of it on every college campus. And it wasn't going to be in any major cities. It's the number one fast food chain in America today. And is it the number one fast food chain in America today? Because people go there specifically because they appreciate their support for spiritual causes. You think that's what it is? No, no. Great chicken. It's great chicken. (laughs) And you know what people hate? Compulsion. Yep. Yep. And the left, they view, we were viewed as the ones who were compelling people to make decisions and take stances 10, 15 years ago. The left is the one doing it now. And that's why pointing out the double standard. See, this was an effective tactic for them. You know, I, it, 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 guys like Alan Combs, remember him with Hannity and Combs before he passed away? And that would, remember, year. Alan Combs would go on America Family Radio with Brian Fisher from the American Family Association and ask him, Brian, has your wife ever given you a blowjob? He would literally say that on the show. Why? Because the point of saying that to him was, well, you've practiced some, some sexual deviancy. So who are you to deny a gay to to people that you or believe are a sexual deviant uh, for having? They, they use these sorts of yep. tactics all the time, and they were devastatingly effective. Yep. We get to use those now, and we get to point out. So Jews are termites, but this Jewish woman over here who thinks that um, you know ISIS throwing gay people off of roofs is a bad idea gets banned. See, they're the they're the they're the ones now on offense. They're the ones in hegemony in the culture. They're the ones using the levers of power to push their particular cultural agenda. We're the counterculture now. We're the alternative now. Mm-hmm. And we're the ones, because, and not and I don't necessarily agree with it. I think a lot of it is abrogation. I think a lot of it is because we've sort of surrendered. But whatever the reasoning is for it, we're not the ones forcing most of our neighbors to make decisions on these issues anymore. The, the rainbow jihad and the cultural Marxist are. And so the, it's a devast, just like they devastated us with our hypocrisy, like Mark Foley you know, creeping on mail pages and Larry Craig playing footsies in you know public bathroom stalls while we've got the evangelical president unpopular with the Iraq war. Those sorts of hypocrisies, they use those to devastating effect against us. Well, we now get to use it against them because mm-hmm. they're not willing to live by their own standard either. And the more you can point that out, and point out now the difference between us and them is it's the reason we can't live by our own standard because it's not our standard that's why we need a savior we're not in we're not capable of being sinless if we could we wouldn't need a savior that's the, and that's, that's the antidote to our own hypocrisy is to point out, yeah, I'm broken. That's why I needed to be saved. That's why I'm being put back together again. Don't, don't follow the Tao of Steve or the Tao of Todd or the Creed of Chris. We're, we're nobodies. The difference in their case is they, they don't want to follow their own standard because their only standard is I have control over you and can make you do whatever I want to do. And so the more that you can point that out, the more you can point out that hypocrisy. That's a devastating tactic. You watch Twitter's stock share plummet this week. Why? Because most of America is not conservative, but it ain't communist either. You guys' thoughts on that?
0: The only thing I would add is it is devastating right now, and I think it has the potential to be devastating in the future. But uh, the real test for us as Christians is if we—we won in the case of Twitter, but— We need to do this regardless of whether we get the outcome we want. We are there to testify to the truth. Outcomes are ultimately for God. Uh, There's going to be some suffering on the end of this when it doesn't work, but we're going to need to do it nonetheless because it's our job to testify the light in all seasons. Yeah.
1: Uh, I I would just add that – to speak to your point about we're in the counterculture now. Christianity has always been most successful as a countercultural movement.
2: Indeed. And uh,
1: that's how it took over the Roman Empire because Mm -hmm. it's a better way to live. Mm -hmm. It's intolerable living under the left's – or the progressive worldview, which is uh, whoever has the most power gets to order the other people around because people are all sinful. And people all want to take advantage of other people even if they don't think they want to. They do the things which they do not want to, right? And Paul talks about that in the New Testament. So, the other thing is to fight back against that. You shouldn't adopt the culture of the world's tactics to do it, because Christianity can stand on its own. If you're just truthful, if you treat people honestly, and if you're forthright about your sin, you're going to defeat it regardless. Mm -hmm. And that takes faith to believe that. Uh, But we know that that that's what is true. We will conquer without having to uh, adopt the tactics, the 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 sinful means of which the world just uses power to abuse another. we're free not to live like that,
2: and I think that's that's the mistake we made. We 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 argued moralism, not Christianity. Yes, and the reality is none of us are righteous, not a single one. No one is good, but God. Um, we we argued we argued moralism, or to be as Fair to our side as I can possibly be, we didn't. We allowed them to corner us into arguing for moralism. You know, one of the things I used to hear Christian leaders say a lot, and it would drive me insane, is "Don't use the Bible to make your arguments." That's stupid. It's 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 beyond stupidity. Okay. And the re- Let me tell you. Can I just tell you the truth? Sure, I can. I'm going to anyway, whether I can or not. The reason Christian leaders didn't want us using the Bible to. Uh, to make our arguments. And when I say use the Bible to make our arguments, I'm not talking about having a, a Christian senator giving a speech in the Senate, thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. That's, that's, not, that's not what I mean. I mean. I mean in terms of the formulation of our arguments. I'm heavily influenced by, animal, by George Orwell's writings. I quote them frequently, but I don't just sit there and read a transcript of Orwell novels to make my arguments. They inform the opinions and the views that I give. See the difference? That's what inspiration is. Okay. But the reason the Christian leaders didn't want that is because they weren't Christian leaders. They were political leaders. Yep. And if you start bringing the Bible out of mothballs, that whole double-edged sword thing comes into play. And then suddenly the standard by which you want to hold the other side to, you now have to be held to. And they nobody can live up to that and standard. They, yeah, And then nobody can live up to that standard. They know that. And they, they, So they, they want to be able to say Bill Clinton should be impeached for lying about his indiscretions, but Donald Trump is King David when he does his. And the names don't matter, only the letter after the name does. That's why they didn't want the argument out there. Because they were going to be held accountable to the same standard as well, because God is no respecter of persons. So the reason the Christian leaders didn't want to put the scriptures away, because they were really after the exact same thing the progressives were after. And I learned this the hard way working with many of these people. They were after power. And whatever explanation I can reverse engineer, whatever rationale I can reverse engineer, whatever, whatever, whatever thing I can say now that will grant me the power I want, I will then justify. And, it's, that's, and so what you essentially have is when fa- you have a fallacy arguing with a heresy. And that, that's a zero times zero equals zero. And you know, I wonder if things would have been a lot different if we would have just said 15 years ago, man, these standards are tough, and God tells us not to do these things for the same reason I tell my kids not to play in traffic. Mm -hmm. I don't want bad things to happen to them. And it's not about living up to my standard. It's about God has shown us what's best for us, and we're concerned that if government comes in and says, hey, go out and do a bunch of stuff your creator says is bad for you— that people will then make really will feel that it's they'll make really bad decisions, and um, uh, and in the end, you know, will will engage in a form of self destruction.
1: God describes His word as a sword, so mm-hmm. if you go into the battle without your sword, you're disarming yourself. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So if you want to convince people to your argument, there's no logical, reasonable, reasonable argument you can make in a secular worldview. Uh, against that secular worldview, you have to use an alternative worldview, and the worldview we receive from the divine revelation from the Bible is what empowers us to defeat these arguments. So if you don't use that power, you're, you're walking into battle without your sword. You're going to lose, and you're going to deserve to
2: lose. Let's go to Scott next, writes, heard the podcast you guys did a few months ago of your top five TV shows that recently are currently running and was disappointed that not one of you had the best show that reflects the American spirit, ingenuity, and is also family-friendly. Shark Tank is a perfect show that displays a mixture of capitalism, the American inventor spirit, and it's just a fun show to watch. There have been some companies that have come through this show that are now common names. Um, In fact, I just learned we bought like this Christmas light thing that was on Shark Tank. We put it on the top of your tree. So you don't have to worry about, you know, unhooking those and and which bulbs. That's a major hassle. Got two of those for 12 bucks at Walmart. My kids are like, hey, that was on Shark Tank. You know what? Scott wrote that note. You're right about Shark Tank. I've watched it like a handful of times. And every time I watch it, I'm like, why don't I watch this show more? So I'm going to give Scott some points on that. I think he's right about Shark Tank.
3: I've only watched it a few times as well. And um, yeah, my reaction is usually, why are they not investing in this? Unless it's just terrible. But usually, that's the yeah. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. You ever
0: seen it? Never seen it, but I played a game that beach volleyball circle yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, that, that started there.
2: Yeah, I I I I don't watch it very often. Every time I've ever watched it, I've really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. and I've always asked myself why don't I watch it more often. So, have you ever seen it?
1: Uh, I, I've seen it, but I'm like a I'm a millennial. We don't have cable television because we we just don't want to pay for it.
2: So. I hear you but it's not like on you can't watch it like on hulu right. or not anything can, like that you can
1: see youtube clips or whatever you know yeah. and those youtube clips that go viral they're awesome cuz it's a fun show or at least it seems like it
2: it is interesting that it, it it's a, it's a, it's gained its popularity by promoting meritocracy um and having exceedingly wealthy people judge you <laughs> 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 i mean i can't think of two things that more fly in the face Of the spirit of the age, then meritocracy, number one, uh, instead of victimology. And then two, extremely wealthy people then get to judge you harshly, if need be. So I guess it it deserves a medal just for that, if nothing else. We'll come back more Feedback Friday in a moment. Well, the most valuable asset that the vast majority of us as Americans will ever acquire during uh, our time on this earth is our home. Well, except for a life insurance policy, but we're not going to be the ones that cash in on that, obviously. So it is, while we're still vertical, uh, it's definitely our home, particularly the equity. That's in our home. And, and nowadays, a lot of those home title deeds are online, making them easier prey for criminals than they would have been 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago when they had to go down to a county recorder's office or a title deed office even show ID. Of course, that's racist now uh, to demand ID, but back then we like required it and, and that, you know, you'd have to worry about whether somebody was going to, you know, uh, take away the equity in your home and that you would go to the, you know, get that HELOC uh, to pay for the new roof or uh, your daughter's, your princess's wedding. And suddenly poof, that equity has gone. You didn't worry about that 15 years ago. We got to worry about it now. Because home title fraud is the latest criminal scam that fraudsters are utilizing. And especially if you are somebody that owns a lot of rental property, so you're managing a lot of Uh, home titles at the same time or if you know somebody who's retired and maybe not the most technically proficient and that makes them especially vulnerable not to mention the fact that if they've lived in that house for a long time they've probably paid it off and or have more equity in it than the average homeowner in America does so you want to protect yourself you want to protect your loved ones it's just pennies a day via home title lock if they detect any sinister activity at all they've got a virtual barrier around your home's title they will look into to it take care of it right away and you don't know your home's title may already be vulnerable might already be compromised here's how you can find out it's free to find out normally it's a hundred dollar value for the free for the title scan and the report but now it's a free title scan and report to our listeners and viewers here at the blaze and crtv if you sign up today at home lock.com that's home title lock.com all right let's get back to some feedback friday this is from ryan he said, recently you guys had a conversation on what makes leftists and especially millennials think the way that they do. I'm a well-educated, devout Christian conservative millennial. I had a conversation recently with an acquaintance I went to school with who's very liberal. That sheds some light on this conversation. Typically when I converse or debate with this person, the conversation ends when we drill down each time to the same existential worldview difference we have, which is presuppositionalism versus relativism. This time, however, I had to walk away from the conversation even earlier in the development of it because we couldn't even get to that point. He, being well-educated, was making arguments like Democrats have become more centrist and Republicans have gone more radically to the right in the last 20 years. Despite, for example, Bernie Sanders being an avowed socialist and nearly winning the Democratic primary for president last time. Being a Christian who believes in the depravity of man and the necessary election and regeneration by God... Uh, To reach men's hearts, I can only conclude that there is no rational explanation for the positions espoused by people on the left. For when you willingly reject the truth, you have no alternative but to espouse a lie, which is inherently irrational. The more they reject God and his truth, the more irrational and inexplicable their positions and thought processes will become. That is from Ryan. Who wants to comment on that?
1: Well, this is why, and Ryan's exactly right, by the way, but this is why what I was saying uh, before we went to break is there is no rational argument you can make. You have to have faith that the power of Scripture, the power of the Word of God, is can stand alone and to reach people. And that's the only way that uh, you can reach people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh If you don't use these tools that God has provided to proclaim the truth, if you don't share the gospel, which is the good news, it's the truth, it's a better way of living. It is a worldview that makes sense of all this evil and all this violence and all this sin that people can't explain rationally. That is the only way you're going to be able to reach people. It's the only way that you can articulate how the world actually is because everybody else who doesn't believe that has a different worldview. They see the worldview as working entirely differently and they're going to come to erroneous conclusions because they believe in a lie by definition because they don't believe what's true.
0: Well, this same person, while parroting that His movement is going to the center would have no problem labeling himself a progressive and uh, latching on to all of the progressive issues that he admits are changes that must be made in the name of justice. So it's incoherent from the beginning. You're duty bound at the very least to point that out to him, and and uh, leaving the conversation knowing that mm-hmm. you know he he's a fraud at least on that level. He, he simultaneously is okay with it, having it both ways, and to that extent, the only person who's going to get pat that level of mania is what Chris is talking about. It's the gospel.
2: Yes, and this is why we always talk about the fact this is a this is a theology. I mean, what what Ryan is talking about is I've got a classmate who's very well educated. We're friends. You know, we don't, we don't have to hide who we really are or what we really believe for one, to one another. And yet, even our, his level of high education and the personal relationship we have cannot pierce this chasm between us. There is a set, there's a set of alternative facts, to use an expression, that he desperately wants to believe so that we can't even agree now on what is objectively true. And, 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 and where do I go? What do I argue with? How do I discuss? There, you, there, there is nowhere to go. The Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Okay? Um, if, if, if God is the author of all reality, and I deny his existence and or authority, I am therefore, by extension, I'm really denying reality. Yeah. What do we call people who deny reality, guys? What are they called?
0: Crazy. Crazy. Insane.
2: Insane. Yes. That's what we're talking about here. And and you just like you aren't going to reason somewhat. You're, you, you, there is no reasoning where that is concerned. Um, and so the only hope that you have isn't going to be that they've never read a Milton Friedman novel. Now, I would highly recommend you read Milton Friedman. He's influential on the opinions I give on this show. But Milton Friedman's not going to reach friends like Ryan's. That's not going to work. That guy's, that guy's gone not having an academic exercise anymore. He's, he's, he's in a religious fervor. Let me put it to you this way. If you had Muslim neighbors and you wanted to reach them with the gospel, would you give him a Milton Friedman book? No. No. Well, Steve, that's different. No, it's not. It's not. See, you believe you're debating economics. You believe you're debating even political philosophy. The other person has a different religion than you. They're having a different argument than you are. And you're not going to beat a bad religious argument except with a good one. And and there, there won't be a clip from Tucker, and I, by the way, I like Tucker Carlson. I'm picking on him because <clears throat> he's one of the last shows left on Fox that will actually tackle the cultural issues we talk about on the show all the time. But even as good as Tucker is at that, as effective as he is, he's not reaching somebody like Ryan uh, or, some, or somebody like Ryan's friend. Because Ryan's friend has already accepted a reality that cannot accept mm-hmm. the reality Tucker Carlson is talking about on Fox News every night.
1: This is why uh, applying what you're saying to politics, uh, there is no such thing really as a persuadable voter anymore between the Republicans and the Democrats. It's not about trying to capture that independent in the middle. It's why Mm -hmm. you have to turn out your base Mm -hmm. because there's only a set number of people who are going to be receptive to the message you're peddling. Mm -hmm. There's a set number of people on the other side who are receptive to their message, and the winner is going to be which one of them turns out more with the people who are listening to them, not which one of them has a more convincing argument to sway the people who just haven't made up their minds. I don't think there. I mean, have you guys ever really met somebody who didn't make up their mind on an issue they were informed about?
2: No. No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't. And that's what it is. Yeah, That's that's something we've talked about on this show a lot recently, Chris, is the lesson we learned from the Obama years is that it's not about winning a majority of the vote. It's about winning a majority of those who actually show up to vote. And those are two totally different things. And you saw in the Obama years, the media and the White House – perfectly frame arguments in order to create an electorate more that, that gave them the best chance to win. All right. And meanwhile, you've got, you've got Carl Rove on Fox news every night in 2012, telling us Romney's going to win because he won independence here. And he did win independence. He became the first American president ever since we started doing exit polling to win independence and lose the election. All right. Because it's not about, about winning a majority of the vote. It's about winning a majority of those who actually vote. And the challenge the Republican Party has now if we're just speaking primarily politically or exclusively politically, the challenge the Republican Party has, is, you, and this is something wise that you pointed out in our show several months ago, it's not that they're dumb. It's just they're just not willing to do what it takes to win. Right. The, the message framing that has to occur in order to frame an electorate that's the most beneficial to you is one that is anathema to the vast majority of people in positions of power in the Republican Party. And this, is, this also goes, and yes, there's a cultic following there. I might have been one of the very first people to even label it Trump cult. But, the, there's, but, but that's nothing compared to the percentage of conservatives who will ride or die with Donald Trump for the reason I'm about to articulate. At the very least, Donald Trump voices things they care about yes. in a way they understand. At the very least, Trump does not make them feel like they're second-class citizens. Paul Ryan does. Mitch McConnell does. Bob Dole does. Mitt Romney does. Uh, Chick-fil-A is not a part of my campaign. John McCain did. Jeff Flake does. All right, the people that run the Republican Party, basically, that are the, the p- pick-a-face other than Donald Trump and tell me if you think they talk down or to our audience. And the answer, I am guess, is almost unilaterally, Down. That's, okay, that's the difference.
0: We're learning that more. We were talking about that earlier about my thoughts on uh Twitter, but you know, with with people that are ninety percent on our side ideologically, but they clearly enjoy their little Algonquin round table on Twitter and, and humoring each <laughs> yeah, other nice more than they do communicating yes. with the plebes. Yeah. I mean, that's what
2: that's what about that's like all but like three authors at the at National Review, every author at the Weekly Standard. That's what most of those kinds of people exist, so they can just sit around basic you want to know who those people are. I'll just tell you who they are, because I know a lot of them too, just like you guys do. Follow them and now I know some of them. They are the guy Jesus talks about who goes to the temple, looks at all the other riffraff out there and says, Thank you, God, that yeah. I am not like them. Yeah. That's who they are. And that's see, and that's why I'm to the if, if you are a liberal watching us. Although I don't think there's many liberals left. I think there's mostly leftists. But if you're somebody of the opposite persuasion politically, because we do hear from several people that like to tune into what we do here on our show, because they feel as if we will give a conservative viewpoint minus the tribalism, and they're generally interested in essentially what the other side thinks, if not gathering uh, intel or doing recon. All right. <laughs> if you want to know, because you probably heard Chris talk about earlier in the last hour, the smugness of Obama and how it irritated us. And You probably thought, sat there and thought to yourself, uh, Barack Obama is a wealthy guy. Donald Trump takes a dump on a plane with, the seat, with a seat of gold worth more than the, the gross domestic product of Kansas City, Missouri. How in the world is he now the common man? This is the conversation we're having here. The elitism of the people who run the Republican Party. They're like Eddie Vedder in Vitology singing Not For You, all right? Like, he's offended. Eddie Vedder got offended that you were singing Even Flow too much. Eddie Vedder got offended that you liked, that you liked Jeremy in Black. And so in the, on the next album, they wrote a song called Not For You, which was essentially a middle finger to people that were showing up to Pearl Jam concerts and singing along. They were, he was offended at that. Music's for us it's not for you that's the that's the that's the smugness of the people that run the republican party yep. the smugness of donald trump is i i'm getting over on the system to your benefit and that's why you sit there he's not smug to these people he's their anti-hero he's the guy they would never ever leave their wife daughter sister or anybody of any female persuasion alone with for about 3 seconds but They hum the Sergio Leone spaghetti Western theme when he comes riding in on a pale horse, all right? Because at least they know this, the shooting's about to start. That's the difference. Trump messages his power and wealth in a way that makes you think, man, I wish I was that guy. Mitt Romney messages his substantially less wealth in a way that makes you think that is that looks like and sounds like every guy that ever fired me from my job and that's the difference
0: Trump rip. the hope for Trump and it's questionable on how- Trump's doing Skinner
2: let me make it simple Trump is doing Free Bird the Republican Party is doing Eddie Vedder in Vitology singing oh. not for you that's the difference and
0: people were so fed up they wanted to see a hanging in the public square and said Trump I'll hang somebody in the public square you know really I'll hang 9 yeah 12, 15 can I get 18 yeah, it's son- 18 yeah.
2: on 5th street Yeah, yes We have time for one more? Yeah. Um, Regarding a recent conversation you guys had about why people seem so willing to believe outright lies in our culture today, I think there's another angle to consider. This is from Brad. He says, a large portion of the population are low information voters who don't take the time to follow the political world as closely as those who may subscribe to something like CRTV or The Blaze. So when an issue arises and they hear something about it, they try to come up with an explanation which makes sense given their limited knowledge. When they hear a conspiracy theory, they don't realize how kooky it sounds because they are just ignorant and don't know what they don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, it's true. They're not people fundamentally aren't uh, low information voters. Fundamentally, though, they are liars. Every one of them. I had this conversation with a couple of my uh, uh, daughters last night because uh, my, my two youngest ones, uh, 10 and 8, uh, 10 and 7, and learning about the Holocaust – and, you know, that well, why does God allow uh, Adolf Hitler to exist? Well, I said, you're asking the wrong question. He says, why, why did the seed that's in all of us end up turning into Adolf Hitler? I said, mm-hmm. sweetie, there's nothing preventing you, even you. And I wanted to get the reaction that could be coming Adolf Hitler short of your faith in God. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to understand. He's not that much different from you. He is all of us. So it's not about low information only goes so far. But listen, our, our our faith as vast as it is, Steve, you love theology. We love thinking about it. Ultimately, you don't need to know a wisp of theology. You just need to bow before Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's what you need to do. Um, it's 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 not a, ultimately a, a, a king's game. It is a humble man's game, and that 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 that's the thing. Will you bend your knee? Are you willing to put down your idols, all of them? Every single one, or yes, you too, can become that monster in the closet.
1: Uh, we, uh, I've talked with you about conspiracy theories before, and I offered that there's a certain Gnostic attraction to it, mm-hmm. right? There, there's this certain hidden knowledge, mm-hmm. and I have access to it, and uh, me having access to it explains things in a way that you don't have access to it, and it, it kind of makes you feel a little bit self-important about that mm-hmm. or a superior to their fellow man. And, and also – it takes things out of your control, right? Because uh, if you reject the reality that it just there's total depravity and people are just this way because they're terrible and there's no secret conspiracy to make things go wrong. It's just that people are terrible. That puts the responsibility of you know, electing these people on you, Right. Mm -hmm. And people don't want to have that responsibility, or at least they don't want to feel like they're responsible for the things that are wrong. And so they blame it on some secret cabal of we just – we couldn't win this election because we weren't articulating – it's not that we weren't articulating our values in a way that makes sense to people or we weren't turning out the people who need to vote for us. It's that uh, the Democrats rigged the election. And I'm not saying that they don't do that, by the way. I'm just saying that that's an example of what you might call a conspiracy theory that – Uh, explain an outcome that you don't appreciate or that you didn't want. Uh,
2: Since I quoted Orwell earlier, you're basically saying, we love our gold stains, we love our snowballs. Right. The the straw man that is responsible for why we suck at what we do Mm -hmm. or why our idols fail us, and it can't be because our idols are fake and phony and have no power, but it must be because some other third party – has robbed them of their greatness. Like Trump's always a victim. He never does anything wrong, right? That's well put, yeah. I think that, I think there's a lot of that. I, I get all the time, Republicans can't win because of the media. Until three weeks ago last Tuesday, there were the fewest Democrats in elected office in American history in the last 87 years. So how do you rectify that with Republicans can't win because of the media? The... About, if you look at the total viewership of the people who, run, who watch the morning news shows on mainstream media, I, I've done the math. I wrote this column for the Washington Times several years ago before I came to Conservative Review. It's like 12% of the people that voted in the 2012 election. Okay. This is a fallacy. Now, now I'm not saying that the liberal media doesn't have real power and influence. If, it, if I didn't believe that, I wouldn't spend as much time pushing back on it or working for a company like Conservative Review or The Blaze where we counter that narrative. Right. I'm not, but see, that's the fallacy. This idea that – I'm not saying they have no power or but – I'm not saying that at all, but they don't have the absolute power that we claim. That's not true. If they did – and, and and yeah of course they were all in the tank for obama and then obama's party lost 1100 elections in the 8 years that he was president of the united states so we got to reconcile those two facts somehow how do we reconcile them we're 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 victims of media bias and that's the only reason we lose doesn't reconcile it that's mythology that's a fable that's 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 fan fiction like russian collusion chris good to see you thanks for joining us thanks everybody on. have a great weekend until monday John
0: 317